want to say something, Boris? Alright. Welcome to the second episode of the Undressing Underground podcast. I am on my balcony with Boris, sitting out in the rain. I don't know. I think it's pleasant. It might make for a horribly annoying interview, though, depending on what you think of hearing anything but uh, the people's voices when you're trying to listen to things of people's voices. I mean, if I wrote a fucking book, I'd record it in the rain or an airplane or something. I'm sorry for all the other noise issues in this. That was also Boris. 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 He doesn't give a shit. He's got better shit to do, like, like the water off the railing. Oh no, here he comes. Boris is sniffing my armpit. So today's interview is with Jufu, Jufu, Hikenthropic. I don't know. It's a fake name because she's embarrassed by this interview. So, enjoy that. I've run out of things to say. Let's just go to Jufu and listen to me torment her accidentally. I'm sorry, Jufu. Boris, you want to say something, Boris? Nah, fuck him. Here's the interview. Well, like this stuff, for example. You could just crap me as that if you want. Yeah. And for the the dollar dinner. Call you Jufu. Yeah, you can call me Jufu. That's, that's catchy. Mm-hmm. Jufu, yeah. I'm gonna go by. It's also nice because if uh, if I do something wild or something, uh, <laughs> so that's not linked to my dad's last name. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's just funny. It's like I always want if I were to have a stage name, that would be my stage name. So why not just use it and make it a thing? And then I should like learn an instrument kind of and pretend I'm a riot girl, it'd be great. Yeah, I mean to do punk rock, you don't really have to learn fully. You just have to learn like two chords. Yeah. I mean Lou Reed had a quote that uh I guess it's like a fucking idiot. <laughs> One chord is fine, two chords you're pushing it maybe, and then three chords you're getting into jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Mm. Girls night out. Yeah. What's your podcast gonna be called? Uh, Undressing Underground. Oh, okay. That sounds cool. Yeah. It's... I could be underground. That's so awesome. I I'm mean, so you are. Straight edge. You are, but I mean, I mean, there's a straight edge That's punk true, rock scene yeah. too. I looked it up and it made me feel less like stupid. Although I drink alcohol, what I hate the most is like when I tell people I'm straight edge to try and like save, you know, save the discussion. 
but they're like, but you're, but you drink alcohol, so you're not really straight. I'm like, yes, I know, motherfucker. It's because I don't want to sit there and talk to you about my personal opinion on drugs. Yeah. Like I was talking with the station's roommate about it, and talking about it in the sense he's like, can I just ask why? He's like, I'm not gonna sit there and like condone that you do drugs. Cause he's like, I think it's actually cool that you don't do anything. And I told him I was like, well, because I'm scared. I know what it's gonna do to my mind, my, my mind and my body. I don't like it. I don't need it. I kind of have an addictive personality because Nutella does not survive in my household. <laughs> I like that that's the one thing you're addicted to. Probably that and no, I mean, I, exercise. I'm not addicted to exercise. <laughs> actually, I actually have a healthy relationship with weightlifting. Do you? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> I don't have... Uh, I'm okay with saying I don't have a healthy relationship with food. I told Akka about that in the sense that I said, you know, I think about what I eat all the time. Even though I don't have disordered eating, I fret about how much I eat. And I hide food from my mom when I'm around her. Not because I'm, like, binge eating, but because she always comments on it. And it's like, God damn it, Mommy, I wanted to eat a handful of peanuts. Like, I'm sorry that I just totally ran to the bathroom with the entire jar. Because I knew you were going to say something. You actually, like, hide when you eat still? I I don't know if that's an exaggeration. But no. So I'll wait till she's, like, gone or, like, out of the house if I'm visiting yeah. and then I'll like eat because it's hard because I eat I'll like eat oatmeal in the morning and oatmeal is pretty low calorie so I may eat a lot it looks like I'm eating a lot and what my mom cares about is if it looks like I'm eating a lot <laughs> so even if it's not a lot calorie wise I have to sort of be smart about it. she's gotten better though That's it's good. weird she's like I think she misses me so when I'm home <laughs> when I'm home and visiting and she makes Thai food I can basically, she'll be like, do you want some more? Like, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this? So yeah, I get it. But um, one thing I like about Thai food is that I don't overeat Thai food usually just because it just tastes so good. Yeah. And the flavors are so good. It's not that you get tired of it, but it's just not something you need to binge on. I was, when you were describing like eating the food in the bathroom, I started like thinking, there is some parallel between the way you treat food and like treating masturbation and I was like I never like masturbate a little in front of my mom or anything so <laughs> there's no real there's no I real mean, I would comparison. I would just sneak food to to my bedroom for late night snacking my cousin used to hide used to drink soda all day at our grandparents house mm-hmm. and then he would hide the cans that he wouldn't know <laughs> That's pretty fucked up. <laughs> I know. And they, they told him, like, flat out, like, you're acting like an alcoholic. Yeah. And now he's married to some girl in Virginia and has three kids. You know, well, I'm what? glad that soda can hiding worked out for him. Yeah, Maybe. clearly. Gosh, yeah. Hiding food. But now, so I'm trying. I'm going to try this thing. I've decided, because, like I said, I've just been really unhappy. And I think also um, with some of my lack of intimacy issues with my relationship, it's sort of just feeling this thing too, where it's like I just want—I mean, I just want to look nice because it's gonna be summer, and and I've been just putting on weight gradually, which has been worrying me. So I'm just—I'm uh, gonna do this thing that's called intermittent fasting. It's as fucked up as it sounds. <laughs> it's uh, basically what you do is you fast for a certain time period, and then you have an open window to eat, and. Uh, so I wrote it down, I'm probably going to go home on my computer and look at it, so I'm going to try starting it today, and I'm going to try it tomorrow, and so it's going to be about a 16-hour fast and 8-hour feeding period. So really, it's like, you just like go to sleep and then wake up and eat, I think, because I'm just like, I, 16 hours of like not eating, that just sounds like most of that time is taken up with like passing out 
waking up and regretting your decisions and then passing out again. And then you just like go and like eat a late lunch or something. So, um, what were you afraid of telling me inside? I'm afraid of telling you. Well, oh, because I didn't want to tell you some stuff and like blow our load for the podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, huh. Now I can't remember. Yes. I guess stuff about writing. Yeah, something about your pervy TV. online writing stuff. Oh, my pervy online. Oh, no, it was just stuff about what um, other people had said about it, about how they were happy that I write my stuff because they were looking for it and couldn't find anything quite like that. And so they were happy because they finally found what they were looking for. So can you explain what you write? Yeah, I write, um, I write a romantic fantasy comedy uh, series. It's kind of light on the comedy right now because people keep getting killed and hurt and stuff. But it's, <laughs> a, it's a fantasy story uh, that the cast is predominantly um, not straight, I guess would just be the best way of putting it. Because there are some... Um, so they're just queer then? Yeah, so they're, they're queer. And there's some some women who identify as like being gay, some who identify as being bi, some as I don't know, but I'm dating you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like one straight girl in the entire thing. You're really into that concept of like the not quite straight girl. Cause it's yeah, cause I've experienced it so much. I think as I grow older, and when I stop hitting on the not quite straight girl, that uh, maybe my writing will change. But well, I sort of, I think in a way, sometimes it's kind of natural that uh, sometimes you just don't know, and I think that's, that can be totally okay. Yeah. And sometimes I feel kind of strange. Maybe that's a popular concept in media, but to me that's why I feel strange about my identity. But I have such a hard time, I feel like, explaining to people that I just only date women. And it's, it's been interesting dating, um, dating someone else who's also a lesbian, which probably sounds weird, but because <laughs> people would be like, well, isn't that always the case? But, I mean, it's not. I mean, my girlfriend before was bisexual, and I think Stacia's girlfriend before was also bi. Well, she's pregnant. Yeah, so (laughs) (laughs) she's pregnant and has a boyfriend, so I'm just going to go ahead and make that that assumption right there. I just, you know, I'm going to use my master's degree and deduce (laughs) that that she she probably likes the D. And... And I know of women who uh, are lesbians who sleep with men. Which, uh, I mean, personally, I kind of think maybe you'd want a different, you may want to call yourself something else, but I'm not going to sit there and, like, police someone else's label. Yeah, I mean, it's more of an identity than anything. Yeah. It's like Chasing Amy, which, of all its problems, made a really interesting point. Yeah, about identity politics. Yeah. And I think that film would have been so much better if it was strictly just from her point of view. Yeah, if it wasn't written by Kevin Smith, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, because there were some good scenes about how, you know, she came to like this guy, and... But, but yeah, it made her, but it's like being straight and, like, finding out, or thinking you're straight and being attracted to somebody of the same yeah. sex. This idea of, like, this isn't who I am. Like, there's always that identity crisis that straight I guys talk like about. An exception. There's always that, yeah, it's always an identity crisis. It's never, like, is it okay? It's never just, like, I like this person, maybe. It's just... Who am I now? If I if I want to suck a dick. I, yeah, and I mean I've I've had that thought before because I've met I've met some guys that I like really liked, but um, I always have a hard time and I hate talking to people about because sometimes they don't understand or they're they're not willing to listen. That um, that there were guys that I liked that were attractive guys that were great guys, but that um, and that I felt like this pressure to be with them, 
and, and such. But then I would sit down and think, like, what, did, what would this mean about my lesbianism, especially right after I came out? I was like, well, great, now I have to, like, go back and undo all the work I did. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it sounds stupid as a pride thing, and there were times where I, I was just like, you know, I'm just going to stick it out and not date this guy. And I am so happy I did that because it became very apparent that the way I felt about guys like that was completely um, different than the way I felt about girls. Not even in a way that I want to be with those guys romantically. It was because they were people that would be great to take home to my parents. They were people that would make it so that society wouldn't be like hating on me for my sexuality. And so it was that sort of like pressure to like be someone that you're not because everyone else wants you to be that person. It's sort of funny because you're also sort of living the inverse of what... It was more of a thing, like, five years ago, maybe five to ten years ago. Um, the idea that gay people were going to make other people gay. Like, yeah. there's going to be peer pressure to be gay. It's it's actually a disease. Yeah, but no... Stacia but, doesn't have mono. She's got gay cooties. <laughs> but you actually have had the opposite experience in reality yeah. of, like, this pressure... I mean, obviously that exists because there's gay conversion therapy and stuff, or straight yeah. conversion. <laughs> Get the- what, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm gonna open a gay conversion therapy. Dude, <laughs> if I if I'm like single and stuff, I would open one up and just be like, we're just gonna explore our feminine side to I mean, cure just, ourselves. Just you just need to get out of your system. <laughs> you're already in college, though. Did I tell you? Yeah. Did I tell you that I was sitting in the in the, uh, in the library? I heard this like, a like 18, 19 year old sorority girl. And she started saying, like, it, it, like really, I think I was already eavesdropping on them because I just do that all the time. Yeah, Whenever course. I'm talking in public, I try and make myself more interesting and try and sell <laughs> it to people around me. Like, it's the same thing when I'm on a film set and, like, I'm actually having to act. Like, I want to make the crew laugh. Like, when I'm talking to somebody in public, I want to make the person behind me laugh. Um, <laughs> you gotta get that 360 experience. Yeah, I just have to, I have to prove myself to strangers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At, yeah, of and, or ruin the take. But... <laughs> Um, this girl, where my memory starts up again, is when she says, uh, she said, uh, I haven't kissed a girl in a while, and the next thing that comes to mind is, she started talking about making, making out with this one girl, but that is weird, because she's actually bi. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just, like, the most mind-blowing thing, it's like, I've always, I'd always heard the stereotype, the stereotype of the girls experiment in college, or, but, like, I never heard that conscious of one yeah Yeah, like of just so because it's usually the oh i got drunk yeah or like i tried it once never like this serial straight girl kisser like (laughs) serial straight girl kisser i i mean my rule of thumb for that is like if all parties involved are cool with it then whatever uh i wouldn't personally (laughs) be i i'm not comfortable with it experimenting um with girls who are experimenting just because i i mean i've had some weird situations before and that's just a personal preference, but, um, yeah, nah, there are definitely girls who, like, just, like, really want to experience that, and it's kind of, like, you know, good for you. The only, I guess the only time it becomes a problem is when other people use other women's experiences with women to sort of try and tell me how I should be. Yeah. Like, for example, the straight, the straight, our straight girl serial kisser, uh, that some guys would hear that and would go to me and be like, well, you know, I mean, girls are just kind of like that. Maybe you're just confused. Maybe you just enjoy kissing girls every once in a while. I think that's cool. You can do that whenever if you're dating me. And it's like, oh, God, <laughs> shut up. You know, actually, I just realized there is, like, a connection between that girl and the male side, though. Mm-hmm. I think it was Mr. Show that had a sketch that, frankly, I probably relate to, <laughs> where the guy... Um, 
this guy is gonna this guy and his wife are gonna be three with another guy. Mm-hmm. But he's a very he's a very strict rule of it can't be a gay guy. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be another straight guy. Well, I mean, but like it. It's fine because people are like, oh, it shouldn't make a difference. I'm like, no, of course it makes a difference. If this girl, like, made it with a bi girl, now she's like, oh, man, what if she, like, wants to come on to me? What if I... It's not just what if she's going to come on to me. It's also what if I let her on? I would feel bad. I don't think it was that. Maybe it was. Maybe I'm giving her too much credit, but you, you I'm probably know. not giving her enough because of the misogynist. But... Yeah, because you said she was a sorority girl. Anyway. Um, woman the, hater. What's the deal with your fantasy stories? Um, yeah, so I write these epic fantasy stories. It's pretty great. The The main character is a young woman who is an exorcist, which is someone who in this world, she takes freelance jobs to go, like, kill demons or to take care of problems. And so she gets a job that uh, a girl has gone missing in a town. And some people highly suspect it's the doing of a demon. But other people are like, you know, she's probably lost in the woods. We should not be hiring some magical who-knows-what person to come and rescue her. And so it ends up that the demon did, did kidnap the girl. And there, it, it was for, uh, the reasoning behind it is just really silly. So there's a series of misunderstandings. And so the exorcist and the demon, um, the demon comes to form a bit of a crush on the exorcist and such. And then eventually over time, they um, get into a relationship with each other. <laughs> Why are you laughing? This is so weird. Because a a demon and exorcist getting together? Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's funny. Um, well, then why are you asking for laughing? Why am I laughing? Well, I thought you were, like, laughing because you thought it was a stupid premise. That's no, why. it's just so I was getting funny. embarrassed. But so, uh, so they form a relationship together, and the exorcist is human, and of course the demon's a demon. And as they're doing this, there's other stuff that's happening in the background of the overarching plot where uh, it becomes apparent that there are uh, <laughs> evil people doing evil things uh, in the world, and the exorcist gets caught up in it because the demon is very much unfortunately involved in some of the stuff that's happening. So then it's about the two of them trying to trying to make their relationship work during a series of um, battles against an evil organization. And then the exorcist uh, is uh, right now currently turning into a monster, unfortunately. She got, uh, I don't know how to put it without making it sound really hokey, but she, she got attacked by, um, by this creature and because of the attack and the subsequent healing process, she's slowly becoming um, not human. And she's not turning into a demon, but she's turning into something that can't really have emotion. So, uh, so she's slowly becoming this inhuman thing. Uh, the demon's trying to like sort of figure out what they can do while they're still, unfortunately, under attack by an evil organization, which has infiltrated the government. <laughs> it's actually the evil organization is actually a huge pharmaceutical company, which serves as a cover for this uh, underground organization that's trying to. Uh, summon this really dark evil in order to abuse its powers for its own gain. Um, so the, the plot's actually <laughs> actually complicated because there's a lot of characters and there's a lot of things that tie in together, but that's the gist of it, is uh, these two young women trying to have a relationship that works amidst all of this like chaos and how to have priorities when you're supposed to be saving the world, but what if the person you care about most is going to suffer if the world gets saved. So where do you... You don't have to, be, you don't have to tell anybody exactly where this is posted, because... Oh, it's posted online publicly, yeah. Okay. I mean, like, you don't have to draw attention to it yeah. if you don't want to, but, like, what kind of website is this? Um, it's a site where... Uh, are you familiar with fan fiction? Well, yeah. 
So, um, I'll just go ahead and say what site it is, because I really don't care if people go and dig it up. No one's going to listen to this, so... Oh, that's true. And so, <laughs> fanfiction.net has a sister site called Fiction Press. Mm-hmm. And Fiction Press, people can uh, post any kind of, like, original story and stuff. So, non-fanfic stories go on there. And so, I that's where I have it. It originally started at a forum for uh, lesbian anime shows, because they had a, a forum for, like, fanfiction on there. But some people would post their, like, original stories and stuff. So I just posted up a really shitty, really badly written um, precursor to the series. And I finished the series sometime in undergrad, but I was dissatisfied because um, lots of things changed. There was a lot of problematic stuff that happened in it. So I finally just went back and rewrote and decided to rewrite the series now that my writing was much better and my idea and grasp of the plot was better. Because now I know how the whole story goes and how it ends when originally when I wrote it, I didn't. But uh, so it's on Fiction Press, where you can find people write um, really long epic stories about lots of things. There's a lot of other fantasy lesbian stories on there. I sometimes feel like I need to compete with other people on there. I get really upset when like they have so many more like views and reviews than I do, and I'm like, but I think my writing's good. Well, how many views do you get? Like, how many people are reading this stuff? Um, I mean, per chapter, I want to say maybe. Ooh, I haven't looked at my hits for a while. Um, Maybe close to 100, 200, I don't like know. Like, per, per issue, or episode, or whatever you per call chapter. it? Per chapter. Per chapter. Yeah. It's not too bad. I mean, I think the first I think the first story in the series has, like, 15,000 to 20,000 hits on it. Wow. Um, it has, like, 100 reviews on it. So that's not just 100 separate people, but 100 reviews are submitted. Some by the same people who review every chapter. And it was about 16 chapters long with 100 reviews. So um, net and then maybe about average of more than five reviews yeah about i would say at least 100 unique visitors so i wasn't paying attention and the card was full so this got cut off early so we're gonna pick up about 20 minutes late after we realized the card was full and went back out there so if you hear references to something you don't remember it's because we didn't go back and listen we just went forth and did did again so, here's that. Uh, so... So? You act a lot. I act a lot, yeah. Why do you do that? Like, act in films or just in real life? <laughs> I don't know, either. Or neither. I don't care. <laughs> no, no, I think it's fun. I think it's... Uh, well, I, I like told you before, it's one of those things where, like, I think it's fun to do, but sometimes it feels a little narcissistic, and I'm not really good at it. Um, I oh, shut up. <laughs> I mean, Dude, your, like, fake, okay. your fake crying in the car wash thing wasn't the best, but, like... Well, yeah, because I wasn't crying, yeah. Yeah, we had the whole plan, and it failed. Um, yeah, my onions don't work. But, I mean, like, you've been fine and everything else. That's good. It's just, it's one of those things where, like, <laughs> if I have to, like, do dialogue in a film, it's like, oh, God, no. Um... I just, yeah, it's not something I'm trained at, it's not something I'm good at, it's just not something I really do. I don't know, well, I think it's interesting, I think it's fun, it's kind of fun to be able to um, perform. I think performing can be um, really great. Some people think performing can be, like, a bad thing, but I think it depends on how you use it. How so? Like, what, do you uh, mean a ba- what do you mean a bad thing? Well, because some people would say, like, performing, that you're not being true to yourself. And uh, um, acting seems a lot like hamming it up for a certain purpose. But I would say acting in real life um, or doing a performance in real life is just natural and oftentimes a healthy thing. I have a lot of people who are like, no, you should always be yourself. And then I finally have to be like, hey, you know, I just want to let you know it's not safe for me to always be myself so you can go fuck yourself. 
Um, but Why? Because you're a woman and a lesbian? It's partially that. It's also sometimes, I would say, actually being female more so. Okay. Um, that there's sometimes where, like, I'll, like, bite my tongue or um, pretend to be really sweet and innocent or just, like, do certain things and be really demure to get things done because it's easier than being myself because sometimes when you're yourself people tell you you're a bitch for being like too much in control or wanting things a certain way um, which I'm sure you've noticed that I like um, view myself very negatively especially if I feel like I'm taking control of a process too much it's like why, when we were that's why I talk to you <laughs> <laughs> well it's like when we were in class and I said I felt bad for being mean to everyone and I obviously wasn't mean to everyone I was just holding people accountable I don't know what you're stuff. talking about I've never seen you be mean to anyone that's nice. Well, I get, I get frustrated with people and, and such, or, like, I, you know, want them to do things my way, and they often don't. Um, so the people you say that critique you for, uh, what do you say they critique you for? Huh? You're talking about people that critique something in literature. Oof, um, I don't know. Oh, happy endings or something? Yeah, and so when I write my stories, I don't think my stories have traditional happy endings, but I don't, I, so basically the stories I write, I write about women with other women. Yeah, yeah, but so, okay, And okay. so the reason I don't make it tragic endings is because I have enough of that in my life, and it's just, I don't feel any catharsis from it, and it's kind of like I should, um... Basically, the story should come to a conclusion. I like putting it that the characters in the stories oftentimes have some sort of possibility and opportunity to change, and it's unknown at the end whether they take it or not, but that there's that kernel of hope that things have changed. I mean, you read Happy Can Demon, right? Didn't she, like, kill her? No! <laughs> God damn. Come on, Rob. I don't know. No, I don't it was. Was it where her mom commits suicide and she goes to the house? Yeah, I know, but, like, there's something about blood at the end. I remember that, about blood tasting like copper. Yeah, because, like, Mickey bites her, and she bleeds, and then they kiss later, and it tastes like blood. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm never going to let you read anything ever again, man. No, I like again, it. Man. I Your brain comprehension it. is killing me. No, I know, I'm terrible. That's why I make movies nobody understands. <laughs> Because you don't understand them either. Yeah, um, totally. But, like, so that story, I mean, like, you know, um, the character Shira comes home finally after two years of, uh, of being away from her mom because her mom's committed suicide. And it's obvious throughout the story that they had a very unfortunate and unhealthy relationship with each other because her mom was super creepily obsessed with her. And then, uh, and then you have the caretaker of the house, Mickey, who, who like, comes on to her. And the two of them start a sexual relationship in the house where Shira's mother died. In the room that Shira's mother hung herself. You have some uh, from. weird incestuous stuff going on. Always. Why not? It's fun. It's fun. I mean, I would never do anything with any of my relatives. Well, all you know, your brothers are male. <laughs> all my brothers are male. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, and then it kind of ends where, um, where I mean, there's a bit of hope for. There's a bit of hope for change. I want to say that maybe Shira's relationship with Mickey's kind of changed some things, or that maybe um, Shira's coming to reflect on her own feeling of like being trapped with her mom all the time, and then maybe just the sort of like tragedy of the fact that you know Mickey came and found her mom dead in the room and took down the ceiling fan and threw it down the wall because she was so frustrated about it. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if that story really has a happy ending. Because you could look at it and be like, Mickey's obviously not good for her. Or you could look at it and say that maybe Shira found um, found some sort of balance or some sort of closure. Whether that closure is good or bad, um, that she found it. So why did you write this story? Um, I thought there would just be something really... I wrote it because I thought the premise was interesting, honestly. After I talk about how I write about characters. But I just thought the sort of premise of like... This girl who stayed away from home because her relationship with her mother was unhealthy and only comes back because her mother commits suicide, so she has to come back and take care of it. Um, And then meets this sort of, like, otherworldly person. It's called Happy Can Demon because there's some implication that Mickey is, like, may or may not be human, but may be this sort of, like, monster that lives in her house. Um, A very bleak view of lesbianism. (laughs) That's, uh, yeah, I know, right? I, sometimes I feel bad because I'm, like, writing these stories about lesbians, but it's, like, not happy stories. It's not health, about healthy people. They're not tragic stories either, but they're just all, they're just all so, straight like, girls and monsters. They're straight girls and monsters. And incestuous monsters. Essentially, yeah. I should play, I, yeah. Um, thanks, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, actually, the story started from uh, something, uh, a girl I met online, through that same forum, a girl I met online, she told me... What Wait. forum? I don't think I got that in the, the last one. <laughs> the lesbian anime forum that I originally posted my stories on. Okay. And so we started randomly talking, and we just talked about lots of random things. And uh, one time she told me about how she had been molested as a child, and what happened was that her family was Asian as well. I can't remember what ethnicity, but... Um, so when they were new in the country and they had her, they had this, like, family friend they would go spend time with all the time. And so her mom was good friends with his wife, and so they'd talk, and she'd uh, be brought over and be there with her mom. And the guy would often tell, be like, hey, do you want to go play some computer games? And uh, so uh, they were not playing computer games. Right. And so he was molesting her. And so when she finally told her mom about it, her mom told her, not to say anything anymore, but not to go in the back and play games with him anymore. And so, and not to tell her dad. And so later when she grew up, um, she was still obviously very upset and angry about it and confront her mom about it, about, you know, because her mom would still go over there with her to spend time with that family, except, you know, she would just, like, keep her daughter by her side. And so she asked her mom, you know, why'd you do that? And... Her mom said, well, you know, we were new in the country. We didn't have any other friends. You know, I couldn't drive anywhere. He was the one who drove me around all the time um, and stuff. Because I think, I can't remember if it was because her mom had been in an accident or her mom just couldn't drive or didn't have a license. And so, yeah, essentially she just didn't want to ruin the relationship because of that. And my friend said that her dad, when he finally found out uh, when she was a teenager, he was really, really angry. Um, Not at her, but, like, angry that... She said that he started crying because um, he, you know, just felt like he, like, let her down. And so uh, originally, so I was going to use, so Happy Candy even kind of came out of that anecdote in a sense of I was going to write about, um, originally it was going to be her coming home to see her mom or something and then finding out that the guy who had, that her mom had hired Mickey not only to make house repairs but to kill the guy that had molested her and that she would find his body in the well was originally how it was going to end. But the, the story got to be too long. It didn't really make a lot of sense and it felt too like formulaic 
You know, <laughs> like, just too clean of a story. Yeah. That this, like, sort of revenge story, which, mm. uh, which a similar kind of story happens in Dolores Claiborne by Stephen King, and I really like that book. And then I thought about it, I was like, you know, it just doesn't fit. I said, you know, it fits much more that she has an unhealthy relationship with her mother, her mother commits suicide, and what she finds down in the well is not someone's dead body, but the ceiling fan broken down there. So, that's, yeah. Um, I definitely went through some different different ideas in my head. I'm sure if I were to ever make that into a full-length story or full-length novel or novella, then, um, then it would be, maybe some things would be different. What did you do with this story when you finished it? Happy Candy? Yeah. I mean, I tried sending it out to places get published, but no place has taken it. I probably need to go back and just submit it to a few other places again. Because I'd really like to just have it, like, be submitted and published. And I, I, I don't want to say over with, because I enjoy it a lot. I really enjoy that story. Um, I enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed writing it. That sounds weird to say. But, um... <laughs> So I'd really like for it to have a home and have its like eventual conclusion as a story, how and the would, life cycle of a story. How would you feel though if it just never made it anywhere? Then it just didn't make it. Doesn't make it anywhere, and I didn't write it well enough. Then I should just go back and edit it and make it better. Um. Let's see what else was uncovered was not recorded. Um. Basically, uh. Everything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but about your fr- about the people that read your story, so it's like, I mean, you're your chapters like your fan not your fan fiction but your fiction like Mm -hmm. you have like a hundred regular readers yeah so i would say there's a decent amount like regular people who read each chapter um which is nice i mean i think it's nice even though some people be like that's only a hundred people um i don't know otherwise it would just be me reading it after i've written it (laughs) so it'd be my stuff (laughs) Um, yeah essentially do you want more people reading it then it would make me feel better about myself, I guess. But really, yeah, I mean, it would be nice if my stuff became popular, but it's also kind of like, it's all personal preference what you want to read. And so the only reason I would want more people to read my story is if it were able to reach a wider audience of people who desired to read it, if that makes sense. Like, if I had more readers because more people discovered it and were like, this is exactly what I was looking for, then yeah, I'd be happy. I don't, you know, need to be super popular. It's not the kind of story that would be um, (laughs) a popular story that gets turned into, like, five movies or whatever. (laughs) Because there's so much inappropriate content in there. Well, Fifty Shades of Grey got made. That's true. I don't know, all the incest. I mean, there's some rape that happens in there, too. Jesus, what's with you (laughs) and all these, like intense topics it makes sense in the context of the story that's no defense that's man. what everybody says that's what know, every right? white guy says i know right? you just don't know the context now nah, there's yeah. a uh, i mean i can i can lay out the entire scene there's a part where uh, uh a different character not the main character who's an exorcist who has two little sisters and she's extremely protective of her two little sisters it's a story about like pride in the sense that she um goes to fight basically um this guy called the Demon Lord, who's, like, super powerful, and uh, instead of having her sisters, basically, because she doesn't trust her sisters to help her in the fight, she kind of doesn't let them um, assist her. And Is this, like, a superhero thing? I forgot, sorry. What? Is this, like, a superhero story? No, it's not. It's a fancy story. Okay. God. Am I embarrassing you, or, in, or No, you're just getting it wrong. Annoying it's frustrating. You. It's okay. annoying. Okay. <laughs> um, Basically, so she goes to, to fight him and she loses um, badly. 
And so he, uh, he puts a curse on all three of them where they have to, like, obey his every command. And the problem is, is that um, she can resist it to an extent, but her sisters can't. Uh, so he basically tells her, you know, I'm going <laughs> to murder your sisters if you don't do everything I want you to do. So she, she chooses to do that. Um, and there's a part where they try to escape. And so, uh, well, because he sexually abuses her the, the entirety of the time, uh, of course. <laughs> Of course. Of course. Um, because, of course. <laughs> I feel like an awful person. God. You I, should. I should, yeah, because I hate it when that plot point becomes a thing and, like, films where, like, the evil main male character, like, sexually abuses the I mean, female character. I mean, don't you think part of this is learning to write? Yeah, but, like, I kept it in there, even, even no, though I wrote it, like, a few months ago. <laughs> I know, I know, right? I mean, that seems to be what gets you off anyways. What? Like, all this abuse and rape and everything. Like, even Dragonfly is just about, like, somebody getting with a very abusive person. Well, she's an abusive until you find out she's a serial killer. Um, yeah. Uh, what was I saying? But yeah, and so... You know, I'm not going to tell the rest of the story because you're just going to laugh at me. Never mind, then. I'm not gonna, laughing at you. You're just going to judge me. Shit. I, this is why I don't want people to read my stuff online ever. Because I'm like, oh, if they knew I wrote it, they'd be judging me for all the rapey incest shit. I mean, Jill does that shit all the time. Well, okay, but fine. So they try to escape, and then he basically forces her to rape her sisters. Because he's like, I'm going to... He's like, because I'm going to kill them. Well, no, he's like, I'm going to rape them, and then I'm going to kill them. It's more eloquent in this story, I promise. <laughs> yeah, and then he... Uh, but he has the power to suppress their memories, so he does that, and he promises her if she, um, you know, basically does everything he asks her to, that her sisters are never going to remember what happened. How do you feel when you write this? Uh, well, I tried to tell myself the character did it. Um, <laughs> well, it was one of those things where it made sense in the arc of the story, and it was one of those things where I just didn't like having, but it made, uh, and unfortunately made sense, and... Yeah, it's, I mean, like, I hate when rape is in stories and it's not handled really well. Um, I'm not sure if I handled it really well. Probably not. So while you're writing your thesis about how rape's, the rape scene in Tomb Raider is really awful, you're writing this rape scene online about right? two sisters. It's great. It's perfect. Chris, we're on field day with this. <laughs> nah. Yeah, probably. Which I think is why, which I think why it's kind of embarrassing. I don't want people that know me to read my writing. Um, I mean, I tell myself the scene's all right, because it, ah, uh, it's probably not all right, um, <laughs> but it just sort of, yeah. So yeah, do you want a wide up. audience just that, that just doesn't involve people you know? Yeah, and that huh. people that know, that don't know it's me, because like I said, there's stuff like that that's in there that if people were to just hear that that exists, <laughs> I try to tell myself it's better when you read through the story, it makes a lot more sense. If you read through all, was it 60 chapters, chapters yeah. right now? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's there's only like 30-something chapters right now, because it's like I mean, you've been writing it, books. You said you've been writing it since 2008, Well, because I rewrote the entire thing. So right now I'm on what? the rewrite. So I basically, all those stories were really bad and had lots of bad, bad, shitty, rapey stuff in it. Um, and so I took all those down, and then I started rewriting. Um, it and basically changed a lot of the plot and a lot of the characters and such. Huh have a more mature story so that's why right now i'm only like maybe 200,000 something words total do you have the same audience as you did before uh kind of yeah huh. uh yeah 
so um, so I did write the series and I finished it and then I went and wrote another story and finished that and came back and rewrote everything. Um, I'm still in the process of rewriting it and basically restructuring the entire plot so that makes way more sense um, and is less full of that kind of crap. I mean, yeah, the, the, the rape stuff I still don't really like. Um, but of course I kept it in there even though I wrote it, like I said, this year. Um, yeah, because it was... Um, yeah, that poor character. She goes through a lot of shit. <laughs> and then after after her sisters get their get their memories back, of course, they're just like one of her sisters is like wants nothing to do with her, um, for good reason. And then the the other one's like, but we can just make everything okay again, can't we? It's um, you know, it's it's this is why I hate talking about it. You do. Yeah, I mean, I like talking about my story, but then it doesn't make any sense unless you go and read it, and then there's all sorts of terrible rapey stuff that I'm embarrassed about because I'm supposed to be um, a good feminist or whatever. Mm. And it's not that I'm, like, using rape as a plot device tool thing, kind of, but not really. It's not that she... Um, I mean, that she suffers from a lot of abuse in the story, but it's not about... Um, and that she gets objectified by this guy and then also by this young woman later as well. Um, but then it's ultimately her character arc is ultimately supposed to be about overcoming all that and taking responsibility for her actions, but then also realizing that, um, that she was being used by other people as well. I mean, don't you think when you're working with this small of an audience and there is no real, there's very little chance of a, of a much wider audience, don't you think in mo most of it's just working through stuff personally, like on some level, like isn't this just you trying to figure something else out or trying to figure out your position on all these things at the same time? Maybe, because it's like, you know, I don't have to sit there and, like, worry about what my image looks like to other people. Because I want to tell myself that writing that part in the story is, like, not problematic. Well, it's ex you're experimenting with Yeah, it clearly. is actually, yeah, it is experimenting. Or it's, like, um, in stuff, it's experimenting. You're right, actually, yeah, I would say probably. Because would you like, critique somebody else who's doing the same thing with that scale of an audience as opposed to if Tomb Raider was done by any developer with like 200 people playing it with that scene would you be as critical of it uh i don't know i would say maybe it's not so much the audience i would still say it was the execution okay and whether it should have been there or not and i would say in my my story uh that if someone were to say hey i think your execution of this is bad i'd probably be like you know you're probably fucking right i, I should be ashamed of myself <laughs> or if it if it doesn't make sense in the context of if it was one of those things, like, we don't need that. Like, we didn't need that. Like, I mean, I'm sure in my story it's way too gratuitous, actually. It probably wasn't necessary. Um, there's a difference between failing small-scale. Like, there's, that's, there's reasons why man, stuff I've done is in all my story, Rob. I'm sorry, I don't mean to make you ashamed. I don't mean... I shouldn't have used the word failure. <laughs> well, nah, I feel like a failure. You're not, though. You've yeah. written how many words and you're writing it over again? Yeah, I guess, but yeah, I guess it's kind of not a fun scene. Yeah, when I wrote that chapter, I had to put it in the thing here. I was like, hey, bad things happen, including sexual abuse and stuff. If you're not okay with that, please don't. Just, just skip through it. Don't read this. Have you gotten any flack from that from your audience? Um, I had some people tell me that they were not prepared for um, that they were not prepared for it and that they had wished I had given a better warning. Uh, I had someone else say that they found it to be extremely tragic. I didn't get any, like, sort of negative things but I think, think that's just because when people are already reading your stuff they're not going to give a negative 
review. People just don't give negative reviews. Because I think if they're already going to <laughs> I think if they're already going that far, they'd probably say something, wouldn't they? Like, because you're talking about people that leave you, like, full-on critiques and stuff. Like, like literature magazine-level reviews Yeah, and I mean, his full-on critique uh, touched on it, but not in a way that he didn't say that he thought it was, like, over over the top or, or whatever. I think maybe it was just kind of... Um, yeah, I think it was also because uh, some scenes were a bit explicit and then some were not. Um, so I think also it's just a matter of uh, what you show and what you choose not to show. Because it's like, I'm pretty sure like people got the point. Like, like oh, I wonder what's happening to her for over 100 years. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know, it all sounds fine to me. And I guess it was supposed to be, too, the, that the guy who's doing it, like, deludes himself into thinking that they're, like, going to get married and stuff. And he gets, like, really obsessed with, like, ruining her and things. And, like, it, and, um, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> and then, uh. What's the smell of your armpits? And then this, uh, other woman, uh, <laughs> also starts, like, using her. For, for things, and so the character starts realizing that she's really just becoming some sort of, like, object, and that she starts thinking if maybe they're right, if she's no different than all these people who go and massacre hundreds of thousands of people um, and are trying to take over the world. She's like, well, if I'm no different than them, then can't I do what I want? And then so she, uh, well, she thinks, <laughs> well, she essentially, she thinks she kills one of them, but she, she uh, essentially kills the guy and um, fatally wounds the other woman who of course conveniently comes back in the story um and so obviously the eventual thing is that she fights her and uh, i think she i think she loses again she loses again and then they fight second time after after that and then she loses again then but then it's her sisters that end up beating her instead because it's supposed to be sort of a lesson in that like can't just do the same things over and over again and it's also supposed to be a commentary on how women are treated as objects because uh, the guy treats her like uh you know just like that she's like this thing he needs to have like he needs to have like a lover he needs to have a wife he needs to have a bride or whatever um like the ice king in adventure time <laughs> i i don't watch the show but sure but <laughs> <laughs> now you're most, super disappointed that's in me. the most mainstream reference i'm gonna make <laughs> Yeah, so I'd want to say that whole situation in which she's, like, forced to do these things or that he does awful things to her is supposed to be, like, a um, a metaphor to the way sometimes men treat women. Yeah, it sounds like you've got all this shit under control. Like, you're just... You're trying to figure out your boundaries and, like, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. I mean, nobody writes anything as long as you do have and have done without, like some personal investment in just like figuring shit out and i guess if i were going to make a, a mainstream if i were to make that story mainstream obviously i think that stuff would be um would be very much just sort of like i don't want to say glossed over but would obviously not be like on screen right kind of stuff but i think you can get away with enough like implying that certain bad things like happened because there's a lot of torture and other other things in the story it's it's yeah i think that's the only huge like weird thing um bad thing that pops up you were like so your stories like i can totally see all of this coming from your mind <laughs> all your like 
negativity about yourself and everything. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, of course. Writing is how I get over things. Well, you've read my writing. You know what it sounds like. And some people think it's funny because my writing sounds completely different than how I am in real life usually. I don't get that at all. (laughs) You're so clearly dark and, like... Some people don't see that, which I think is hilarious. I'm like, oh, God, really? I mean, those people are probably just misogynists and don't oh, see women as people. Oh, they probably don't know me as well. Maybe. I don't think I really know you that well. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. But um, yeah, that was long. Don't put that in there. What? <laughs> All my stuff is thinking about whether the rape in the story was legitimate or not, because it's embarrassing. It's my favorite part. <laughs> of course it is. I'm just going to be horrified. Who's Hence it? screen names. Or stage names, I should say. Oh, yeah. What well, do you want to go by? Jufu? Mm-hmm. Jufu Halpimjai. Oh, fuck. I have to look that up. <laughs> I can just send you the link to my stupid WordPress. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll put a link to that in the description or something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put this shit on iTunes so you can be searched for. Do yourself, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed me embarrassing Jufu hyping Riken. And uh, don't forget to subscribe and come back next week for whoever the fuck talks to whoever. I have no idea. I've been uh, looking on OKCupid for somebody, but it hasn't been working out. So come back next week for a surprise interview, I guess. Say goodbye, Boris. Boris doesn't want to talk. All right. Bye.